today um, about the beautiful and amazing things that God has done. Uh, truthfully, uh, this is a Sunday when we celebrate, when we were kind of forced to meet publicly. Uh, and I don't have time to share that whole story, but basically it was Joe, Anna. There was about seven adults, I think, um, on the week five years ago today. Uh, we were gathering, uh, we rotated actually between a couple of homes at that point uh, for Sunday mornings, about seven of us. And we had friends up in New York City, one of our network churches, that were just insistent to come down and worship with us. And so that was actually our first public service we were kind of forced into. And then we were uh, back in uh, homes for a couple of months. And then it was that March, uh, just less than five years ago, that we started meeting in the Rotunda Cinemas. And, and really, we had about a year uh, where, because we were just trying to build relationships in the neighborhood, we really had a year of you know, maybe six people would show up, 10, 12, 13, 14 people would show up on a week, year, maybe year and a half. So what you see when you look around here has mostly grown in the last two and a half years. Uh, there's been a lot of uh, core pillar families that have really made this possible. Joe and Anna, uh, Ben and Kristen, Ron and Lisa uh, kind of all arrived um, at the same uh, time. Uh, Chris and Abby and Jimmy and uh, so many of you, Steve and Melinda, so many of you that are backbones that really make this uh, possible. But the truth of the matter is that every adult who calls this their church home volunteers in some way, shape, or form, and we wouldn't be we wouldn't be what we are without every um, adult that's in this church. And so, uh, I, wasn't it great just to spend a little time thanking each other? Wasn't that good? Mostly good. Okay. Uh, so our uh, stated purpose as we come together here, you see on the screen, um, helping people connect with Jesus, grow in faith, and share his love. And I'd like to turn to Luke chapter 19. Uh, it's a great story, uh, just 10 verses here, a short story uh, that helps us, that opens the window a little bit uh, with Jesus. And uh, one of the things that we like to say here that I believe is true is that everything about Jesus informs us or tells us something about God. So Dr. Luke takes up his account, uh, Luke chapter 19, verse 1. And I want to just set the stage just so that you know. So God had really delivered the city of Jericho into the hands of Joshua. Uh, the Jews had really been in control of the city of Jericho, uh, like much of that region, for a long time. Rome had come in and had conquered, and the Romans were in control. And if you think our government is bad, you don't know what Rome was like. Just breathe, have a sense of humor, it's okay. So they were under Roman occupation, So, and Romans were of a different ethnicity. They were Italians, right? There are any Italians? In, okay, so Rome, Rome was in control, and there was a very tense, shall we say, relationship between the Jews and Rome. And one of the things that Rome did uh, was because... Uh, what was interesting about the relationship between the Romans and the Jews is that both the Romans felt like they were better than the Jews and the Jews would never be as good as them and that the Jews were dirty people. Well, the Jews also felt the same way about the Romans. The, the Jews felt that the Romans were not as good as them, that they were dirty, pagan, uncivilized, even though they really, in some modern standards of government, were the most civilized uh, empire to date. The Jews really felt like the Romans were dirty people and would never be as good as them. So there was tension there. 
Okay? And what Romans did was in, to collect tax was that they would sell franchises. Kind of like you set up your McDonald's, you pay a franchise fee, and then you get the sign and all the other stuff, right? And you get to make Big Macs. So what they would do is instead of having an IRS, they would sell franchises to collect taxes from people. And what they would do is allow the tax collector to charge whatever he wanted to charge as long as he paid them what they said was the right amount for the number of people that lived in that village or a travel on, a tax on travel or a tax on certain possessions, the Romans would franchise it out and someone would pay a fee. Now this story we meet Zacchaeus and Zacchaeus has become very wealthy because he's become the chief tax collector and Dr. Luke is using street Greek to describe in plain simple terms what this means. What this means is that Zacchaeus is responsible in the city of Jericho for all of the tax collecting and what he would have done over a period of time uh, through whatever means buying out other people whatever is that he owned the right to tax the people. And I don't know if you are aware I've known a few people that have worked for the IRS none of them were wealthy. Okay? So there, these tax collectors were wealthy because they were crooked, because they were thieves. Now, what the Romans did was they would allow Jews or people of other ethnicity to buy these franchises. So Zacchaeus and Matthew, who were ethnically, they were Jews, were viewed as traitors by the people of their own ethnicity, other Jews. They were traitors because they had bought these rights to tax them and then they were getting wealthy from it. Now, Zacchaeus would have been one of the worst of the worst, right? Because he had the rights to tax everybody in the region. Okay, so we have some context, right? Jesus has started his public ministry, which means he started saying everywhere he goes, repent, right? Turn away from just being selfish and doing the wrong things. Repent for the kingdom of God is here. There's a new way to approach God. God's bringing a new covenant. There's grace. There's life that's available. Jesus has started to teach that message and he started to heal the sick. And now we get a window in this story that's very important that I have three minutes left to tell. Here we go. Luke chapter 19, verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho, made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region. He had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short. He was vertically challenged. He was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down, took Jesus to his house. And Dr. Luke is summarizing the events here. Zacchaeus took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people, those observers that were around, that were following Jesus, that would be people like us, the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord, and and if I have cheated anyone on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much as I cheated them. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. I thank God for his word. I thank God for Dr. Luke giving us this account of what occurred. And what I want to highlight here 
is a couple of things. Zacchaeus had reached his goals. He had seen something that he wanted in authority, prestige, and money. He'd gone after it and he'd been successful. And clearly, after getting what he wanted, it was not good enough. Have you ever got what you wanted and it wasn't good enough? Zacchaeus had gotten what he wanted. He'd had his way. He was the man. And yet he was lonely and yet he was miserable and yet he was looking for a fresh start. A man... A middle-aged man, particularly a man with a title, particularly a man with money, would never run in public in this culture. And yet that's what he does. And not only does he undignify himself by running, he further undignifies himself by climbing a tree because he's vertically challenged. He is broken. He is looking for something better. He is looking for something more. And he meets in Jesus Christ a permanent life change. This is a person who is far from God. This is a person that everybody else... Have you ever known anybody that said, oh, I'm, God can't help me? Right? The last place you'll ever find me is in a church. Or, there's no way. God couldn't love me. Right? Only God can judge me. I'll pay my debts in hell. Right? Have you ever met anybody that talks like that? Like, I was once a person that was far from God, and I knew I was far from God. Zacchaeus is one of these people. But who is Jesus, and what does Jesus do? Jesus goes after him. At the disdain of those that thought they were clean, that they were good enough. At the disdain, he goes after Zacchaeus. And what does he do? He doesn't say, do these 12 things and you will be made right. No, Zacchaeus volunteers to do something good. Zacchaeus volunteers restitution. Jesus doesn't ask him to do it. Jesus comes and brings salvation, a fresh start. And I want you to see quite literally what I'm talking about here. This word that Jesus used to describe salvation is saved, to deliver from a direct threat to bring safe and sound out of a difficult situation. It's a new beginning. It's a creative act of God. It is a spiritual rebirth, spiritual renovation, spiritual renewal, spiritual recreation, a restoration of things to its intended state. See, in Jesus, through a confession of faith in Jesus, we can be forgiven, we can be made clean, and here's the realities of what it means. You are new You are saved, you have eternal life, and you will not be judged. So in closing, this is the prayer that I think we should pray today. As we think about ourselves and where we are with God, but also as we are, if we are going to follow Jesus, it means we are following Him as He is ever seeking and saving the lost, even the people that you disdain. God, without you I'm lost. I receive your love for me, your salvation. Please help me live my life as a thank you for all that you've done. Will you stand with me? Let's close in prayer. Lord, I thank you so very much that we can be here today. I thank you so very much for the many people that 
prayed, that gave their time, their energy, their money to make it possible for there to be a new church in Baltimore City. We thank you that this was a dream that was in your heart, that you initiated City Bible Church in Baltimore, that you brought us together, that you've made it possible, and that you've made it possible not so that we can have an organization where we feel like we're better than other people, but you've made it possible so that each one of us can know salvation, a fresh start in you, and then be about your business in seeking and saving the lost. God, today we say, without you, we are lost. With you, we have peace. With you, we have joy. With you, we have life with a purpose that goes way beyond trying to please ourselves. We thank you for life with purpose today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today, for allowing me a few extra minutes. Grace and peace to you. Have a great week. Let's eat all that food now, right? Let's get all